Hey friends, welcome to the City Hope Podcast. My name is Bobby Thompson and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. I pray that today's message would inspire you, it would encourage you, and it would also challenge you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy today's sermon. Well, guys, my name's Stephen. For those of you who don't know me, I'm one of our pastors here. And Pastor Brian and I, who's our student ministries pastor, has the incredible privilege of speaking to you guys today um, while our other lead pastor is enjoying uh, the warm air of some island in the middle of somewhere. So, must uh, be nice. Must be nice. Some of us still had to come. But anywho, we're super excited. We're grateful for him. We're grateful that he's able to have a week away with his family. But guys, today uh, we are jumping straight into week three of a message series called Ghosted. How many of you have been here, uh, not last week because we did Easter, but the two weeks prior to that for this Easter service, or Easter service, the Ghosted series? Yeah? You guys awake? The first service we were giving out like free tickets to heaven, you know, for being here on time. And you guys are just like, oh, I'm here, you know. So, anywho. They're ready for brunch, Steve. They're ready for brunch. Okay, well, we're going to try to get you out here quick today. But, like I said, we're jumping straight into the series called Ghosted. So, we normally, what Pastor Bobby does is he normally takes the whole scripture that he's going to be reading today and reads it out loud and goes through it and dissects it. Brian and I, on the other hand, are not going to do that because we have a huge story. So, we're going to break it down verse by verse and kind of go through it throughout the day. But, we're going to be focusing on the woman at the well. But more particular, we're going to be focusing on her life after the well and what that means for us. So bear with us because a lot of this today are for us Christians, for those in the room that are Christians and say, hey, I have a relationship with Christ. But if that's not you in this room today, don't tune us out because we have something, something for you as well. Um, this message will hit every, every walk um, and every person's journey today. So tune in with us. But I want to open us up in prayer real quick and we're going to dive right in. Lord, we are so grateful for you. We're grateful for your presence today. Lord, we pray over the service that you use Pastor Brian and myself to speak your word. Uh, Not ours, not what we have for us, but what you have for each individual and what you've uh, placed on their heart uh, for us to share. So, Lord, we pray that we are your vessels today. Use us for your good. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. How many of you ever lost something? No? Okay, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) We've all lost something, right? It can be as minute as losing a pen, but it can be as serious as losing a child, like someone pointed out in the first service today. So uh, I'm sorry if that's been you, but I know that's terrifying. Um, For clarification, that wasn't our kids' ministry. That was someone (laughs) in the congregation. (laughs) Yes, they threw it out there. I was like, oh, like your phone or your car keys. And they're like, what about a child? So... Um, But we've all lost something. So today we're going to kind of focus on what that looks like. Okay, so bear with us. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn into Luke chapter 15. We're going to be focusing right now on verses 8 and 9. And that says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, for I found the lost coin. Now I know what you may be saying. You may be saying, Stephen, it's a coin. It probably wasn't worth but 10 or 15 cents then. So even with inflation today, we're not looking at something that's very valuable. But the reality is, these 10 pieces of silver was every single thing that this woman had. This was her entire life savings. 
I have this coin here. I don't have anything from that's that old and ancient. So I found this coin that I wanted to show you today. But just like this coin has something embossed on it, coins back then would have a symbol that was kind of pressed in on it as well. Um, probably they would have something that was like the, the goddess of wisdom um, because it wasn't like Rome where they would have Caesar on their coins. They didn't have a, a ruler during that time. But they had something pressed on that. And today I want us to remember that just like on that coin that was pressed, God's spirit and likeness is pressed into each and every one of us. So today as we're talking through, I want you to remember that God has something for us. He's already pressed it on our heart. Whether you're in relationship with him already or whether that's not where you're at in your faith journey. Look with me at Luke 15 verses 10. It says, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels, in the presence of angels of God over the sinner who repents. There's celebration that happens on a regular basis when someone comes to know the Lord, right? When they repent. Take a look at the screen. I have a little video that I want to share with you. Does he realize that I'm not there? I'm lost. I'm a lost toy. Buzz Lightyear mission log. The local sheriff and I seem to be at a huge refueling station of some sort. You! In true fashion, if you know anything about Brian and myself, we are Disney lovers. If we're not at church and we're, not, and we're away on vacation, generally you can find our families together at Disney World. Um, so unlike or, Bobby... Or at home watching Disney Plus. Or at home watching Disney Plus, yes. Uh, unlike Bobby, Bobby always gives us the sports analogy. So we wanted to throw that little analogy of Disney up there that can relate to a lot of us as well. But just that little image and that little clip, 20-second clip, where Woody realizes that he's lost. That's what I want us to remember. So take a minute, everyone in this room, I need you to close your eyes. Everyone close your eyes. Think about a moment where you've lost someone you know, someone you know you can't find them. Whether that's your mother, your father, your spouse, your children. The first thing that happens is panic. Where are they at? The second thing that you begin to think is, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get them back, whatever it costs. You can open your eyes. Did you feel that? Did you feel, oh, my child, they're gone. They're suffering. I don't know where they're at. I don't know what they're dealing with. But I'm going to do everything within me to get them back. Scripture constantly points back to this is a feeling that God has toward us, toward his children that is far away from him. He wants to do whatever is within his power to get them back. But on the flip side of that, you know, you're, you're feeling in that moment angst. I'm going to do whatever it takes. But as soon as you get a phone call saying, hey, we found your child. We found your mom. Whoever it is that was missing, we found them. That turns into joy, right? Turns into excitement. And that's the celebration that we just read about in Scripture. So I want us today, as we're talking and we're looking, 
I want us to constantly be looking throughout Scripture into pieces of the story that are going to kind of all just blend together. Um, one of, there's a disciple, uh, one of Jesus' best friends, shares a story of how uh, him and the other 12, this guy Philip, came to follow Jesus. Like many of the other chosen, Jesus simply asked him to come. It wasn't this long spiel, hey, I'm going to do all of this stuff. He just said, come, follow me. And in verse uh, John 1, 43 and 44, it says, The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from Bethesda. The simple thing that Jesus said was, follow me. He didn't go in, he didn't give this huge story about what they were going to be doing, who they were going to be coming in contact with. So I have a question for you. Think about it. And it may not be an easy question. Who was the last non-believer that you had a conversation with about Jesus? I sit back and I even look at my life personally, and that's a hard question sometimes. So we're going to dive a little bit into that today. But before we get there... Let's look at John 1.46, and it says, Philip saying, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? So Nathanael replied, come and see. Or, sorry, Nathanael asked, but Philip replied, come and see for yourself. So today we want to talk to you for just a few minutes about what it looks like as Philip flips the coin of curiosity and invites Nathanael into the conversation to make heads of his faith. So week three of our Ghosted series, we've talked a lot the previous two weeks. And if you've missed one of those sermons, go back and listen to them. They're really great. Where Bobby really is just giving us this vision of why we should be in the business of being witnesses of Christ and telling others about Jesus and introducing them to the hope of Jesus Christ. Today what we want to do is we want to do a couple of things. Um, what we want to do is just open the text and find an example of Jesus doing this, of just this invitation, and kind of dig through that. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to John chapter 4, that's where we're going to be for the bulk of our time. This is a story called, um, That's a, if you've been around church or you've been around Bible, you'll you'll fam, be very familiar as the woman at the well. And many times when this passage, this story, it's a big story, and there's a lot, really the first half gets hit, which is very important, right? I'll give you the highlights. There's a woman at a well. There's Jesus. <laughs> And ha- Jesus is just like stopping in the middle of his travel. The disciples go into town to pick up some fast food, probably some Chick-fil-A or some McDonald's. And, and while he's there, he's just going to have a conversation with a woman while she's doing just an everyday chore of going to get water from the well. Um, and this, usually when this is preached and when we talk about this, we're hitting on great attributes of Jesus here where he's crossing um, gender lines he's crossing geopolitical lines like he's really engaging in someone that culturally he's not supposed to be having a conversation with but what we want to look at here is the fact that in this story we see someone experience jesus in all of his glory and her life is forever changed and she then goes to live on mission and so we really want to give some tangible steps we want to when i hear this word evangelism it gets pretty scary gets pretty crazy and the first thoughts I think of somebody literally on a soapbox in a very busy metropolitan corner with a megaphone just screaming that the end is coming and people need to turn to Jesus the other thought I have and just even this week scrolling through social media coming across so many different um, video feeds we see these guys and girls that are called apologeticists I'm blanking on words I'm forgetting the English language I apologize um 
And they're just, they're people that are equipped with this mental capacity to be able to debate certain aspects of Christianity. They're not even necessarily theological. And so that can get scary. We can think about like how many times, maybe if you're like, you have a story like me, you grew up in church and there were so many, like, we're going to teach you how to talk to people about Jesus. And it's how to answer this question, how to answer this question. And it's a lot of talk. It's a lot to remember. And it feels awkward and it feels sometimes even downright intrusive, but Jesus gives us a different example. So we want to kind of unpack away from some of that, give you some helpful tidbits, but also give a challenge. So this is what I want to do. I want to relax you, but I also want to send you out of here with some practical next steps of how we can stop ghosting the lost people in this world. So John chapter four, um, we're going to start in verse 25. Okay. So Jesus begins to wrap up his conversation with this woman and outcast in her own community by responding to something she believes. John writes, the woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. This moment's huge for two reasons, y'all. Two reasons. First and foremost, this is probably the most important part. Y'all ready for this? Jesus listens. Like I said, sometimes you go to these trainings and it's all about talk and it's all the things you have to say and what you're supposed to say and get them to give their life to Jesus in that moment. And there's an intensity there that... I think is kind of nice, but also can be very, very daunting. But the reality is Jesus was just traveling, stopped, and had a conversation with someone. And the first important thing that he did was he listened. If you get some time later today or this week, go back and look at the first half of the story. Look at it in, in, in context, and you'll see that clearly it's a two-sided conversation. Jesus asks a question. She answers. She asks a question. Jesus answers. It's a back and forth. Just like the flip sides of a coin. See what we did there? I'm just kidding. I'm sorry, y'all. We'll keep moving. All right, the next reason that this meeting at the well is huge, Jesus flips curiosity and invites the woman to make heads and tails of him. It's not just this persuasive argument. It's a conversation that leads to an invitation where she can take what she's been given, process through it, work through it, and it's on her make hands and tails. Look at how Jesus responds to her personal statement of beliefs, right? She says, I know the Messiah is coming, the one they call Christ. And Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Now with her curiosity spinning, look at what the woman does in verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? The woman either forgets her jar of water her primary purpose is coming to the well, or maybe she just thought, I can move quicker without all that extra weight. And she takes off to respond to this invitation. The curiosity's been flipped to her, and now she wants to go get others. But the best part of her curiosity is she flips on her neighbors and does the same thing Jesus did with her. She says, come and see a man. Could he be what you are looking for, waiting for, hoping for? Again, as a witness, we sometimes believe we are supposed to do all the heavy lifting. But the reality is most of that heavy lifting really is left to the Holy Spirit. It's left to God himself, the creator of everything we see, the, to Jesus who had victory over death itself. We're not the ones who are going to change the heart of an unbeliever. But we get to be a part of the business. We get to be a part of the family business. We get to be a witness to things Jesus has done in our life. To open this door of curiosity, to offer this invitation, And so we need to flip our perspective and see the way the master sees people. 
Remember, remember, if you remember anything, remember, being a witness is not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about telling others about what he's done in our life. When we experience Jesus, our lives are forever changed. That provides its own sense of curiosity and community. When we invite others into our lives, when we start these conversations, it furthers that curiosity. Then the Holy Spirit has room to continue to work after what the Holy Spirit's allowed us to do. So before we continue, it's important to remember that at the time of this story, not only are the woman, not only are women not considered reliable witnesses culturally, but this particular woman standing in her community was not exactly the best. As a part of the conversation Jesus is having with her, he's like, go get your husband. And she's like, well, um, I'm not married. And he's like, yeah, I know. You've had five husbands, and you're pretending to be husband and wife with someone right now. He knew her, didn't judge her, knew her, and was part of the conversation. But this is also something the community knew. And I think this is something that really affects how we think about how we're going to do life with people. How does that make us look? When, again, evangelism is about being a witness to Jesus. That's good. That's good. So Brian and I was doing some research this week uh, and the past weeks, just so you guys know, so you guys can give Pastor Bobby a hard time. He decided to change the sermon series on us after we had already fully prepped for another sermon series. So make sure if you... If I mention Samson, forgive me, has nothing to do with today's message. <laughs> so uh, make sure you give him some grief about that. But nonetheless, as we were doing some research preparing for this message today, we looked up some statistics. I think a lot of times as Christians in America, we end up taking the back seat. Whether that's because we see what's happening on the news and what our perception is that people are going to receive, um, how we speak to them, because we're Christian people, right? So we have that already kind of ingrained in who we are. But this, this study says only 5% of non-Christians are agnostic toward Christians, meaning only 5% of the people that aren't identifying as Christians don't care to talk about it. Think about how many other opportunities there are to live out your faith on a daily basis, to share your faith, listening, but also speaking about who you are. The truth is, people are still curious about Jesus. They're curious about where you go to church. Why do you go to church? They're curious because they want to know what it is that you have that makes you so different. That is, if you're living the life that Christ has called us to live, right? So are you flipping that curiosity? Most of our team here is all bivocational, uh, meaning that we are serving in another career field as well. Um, recently, I joined team with a new school that launched up, uh, that's launching this upcoming school year. And I've had the privilege of uh, introducing and working with some incredible colleagues. Um, but one of my colleagues is pretty new to the area and been here only hmm, two-ish months and uh, so I've had the privilege of taking her around town, showing what, where we are, who we serve, and Buford, Jasper, Hampton counties, and uh, just introducing her to the life of the low country, right? Well, as I'm doing that, because of you guys and being here, we run into people that we know. And they're like, oh, Pastor Stephen. Or, Stephen, I haven't seen you at church. You know, whatever the conversation is. And so she has picked up that there's something different about me. Um, if you know anything about Amanda and I, we love, we love to host people. We love uh, Amanda's spiritual gift, no lie, is hospitality. It doesn't matter if you're coming over for a five-minute conversation. She's going to get you coffee. She's going to make you food. She's going to do whatever she can to make sure that you feel welcome and that you feel loved on. So our family, that's what we love to do. So 
throughout these weeks of me just uh, kind of onboarding and uh, two ways, onboarding as a new job and onboarding uh, my colleague new to the area, uh, she's picked up on a couple of things about me. She's learned that there is something different about me. And this person is probably not a believer, has been around church her whole life, but the church and the Jesus that she is seeing in me is different than the Jesus that she's experienced at her previous church. Um, my family and I are pretty intentional about saying the blessing before we, uh, before we even start eating. And I know that's so minute when we start to look at things. But in the life of my colleague, that was huge. Because the very first time we ever had a meal together, I paused and said, hey, do you mind if I say a blessing? And if she had said, no, I don't want you to, then I would have just said it to myself and went on about my business. But because she's like, sure, you do what you need to do. I took that opportunity, and she now, like I said, she's not been a part of a church. She's not been, um, or she has been a part of a church, but this is a different Jesus that she's seeing now. She sees that there's something different because of the way that I walk, the way that I talk, my actions, the way that I just carry myself. I think we're all guilty of uh, going to Mexican restaurants and eating some chips and stuff before we say the blessing, before our real food gets there, right? No? I'm the only sinner here? Okay. So I think we all have that problem. But funny story with that. You know, you might be saying, Stephen, you're digressing. But I'm really not. It's all part of the story. (laughs) Um, My my colleague looked at me and said, hey, Stephen, aren't you going to pray over your food? And I just took a second because I'm like, wow. To me, you know, that's just a normal thing. And sometimes it becomes just a habit. It's not even me talking to the Lord. It's just we got to say our blessing. But to her, because she knew that it was something more, she tapped me on my shoulder and said, hey, aren't you going to pray on your food today? So we took a moment and we prayed for our food. I say all that to tell you, it is so important, the way that we live, the way that we model our life, that will constantly spark curiosity. The phrases that you say, the shows that you watch, the people that you're interacting with, People are watching. They want to know who you are. So for the followers of Christ that are listening to us right now, like I said, this is a little bit more geared toward um, those that are already Christians and on that, on that step of their faith journey right now. There are two ways to flip your mindset and become a better witness. So we want to jump into those real quick. <laughs> Number one way. we got to flip this idea of being a witness from being a possibility in our day-to-day to being a priority in our day-to-day. Ooh, that's thing y'all like hurting me. Yeah, that, um, this this has kind of kicked me in the pants the last couple of weeks. Um, but this is this is where Jesus talks about this this idea of it becoming an everyday priority. While the woman was in town telling her neighbors and community, by the way, the town that it ghosted her, Jesus' closest disciples were out getting a bite to eat at some drive-through. Uh, John reveals reveals that upon returning to Jesus at the well, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him a meal? So here's the classic disciples. Like they're starting to get it. They haven't interrupted. They understand Jesus at work, but they missed it. Just like we miss it. What matters to us makes it in our everyday lives without us even trying. Right? The things that we care about most, we're going to keep close. So water, check. Food, check. Sleep, check. We don't have to schedule these things because they're important to us. And I get it. They're a necessity to survive. 
But for Jesus, this idea, Jesus said, this is my entire reason for being here. In Luke chapter 19, he said, I came to seek and save those who were lost. He came because it's the sick that need the surgeon, and he's that surgeon. And so here's what John remembers Jesus teaching them while they stood there with their mouths full. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, John's telling on himself by sharing the story, but he's also telling on us. Where are our priorities? Is this something we think about each and every day? And again, we're not, we're not talking about going out there and being this on a soap, but like that's what we have. We're just talking about Jesus said, as you go, make disciples of all nations. You will be my witnesses where I've already put you, where I've already called you to. So is this something that we're constantly thinking about? Is this something that as we go to work, as we take our kids to school, as we go to their sporting events, as we see our neighbors across the street, are we thinking about who they are and the hope that they need in Jesus Christ? If God throws a party when one sinner repents, this is challenging. This is really, it's passages like this that really reveal my selfishness and my comfort level. But as I go, am I looking for ways? Am I cognizant? Am I thinking about here's somebody that may just, and maybe they've been a Christ follower a long time, but they need the hope of Jesus Christ. Am I expressing and inviting curiosity? I think Pastor Brian hit, hit the nail on the head there. I think so many times there's still that one piece that needs to flip in our lives. I and mean, it's that need to win. I think as Christians, as we're going to talk to someone that may be far from Christ, uh, a lot of times we feel like we need to go all in and we need to make sure that we see conversion and that we need to make sure that we see people come to know Christ right then. But what we see here in Scripture is that we need to leave that behind because there's two people and there are two different roles um, in making a believer. So number two, flip being a witness from making people convert to making people curious. Did you get that? We need to just make people curious about what it is that makes us different. At this point, when we're looking at the woman's life, people from the woman's town are literally working the fields um, and walking those fields toward Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus uses that moment to teach the disciples that although, although they haven't seen them yet, he has already sown, there's already been a seed sown in them, planted in them. He didn't necessarily do it himself, but it's because of their faith, because of what they've seen happen in this woman. Jesus continues the analogy of the farmers and the harvesters as they work together, and we can read that in John 4, 36. It says, Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus saying, the one says and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. There's those two roles. That mindset that we see and we so often, especially if you grew up in church, that we often so have, we have so often, is we have to be the one that's going to win them to Christ. Maybe we are the person that's planting the seed. But in this particular analogy, Maybe we're the one that's going to reap the harvest. Maybe we're the one that's going to be the benefit, that's going to be able to walk with them 
into salvation. So this week, let's make being a witness a priority and let's plant those seeds of curiosity and let's invite people to make heads or tails of their own faith. A lot of this for all of us, as, as we're wrapping this up and coming to a close of this morning's message, a lot of this comes back to the fact that it's about obedience, that we're all called. There's, there's those of us in, in the church that are given special gifts of evangelism. We're passionate about it. We're excited about it. We're really, we could be really good at it. Um, and that may be your gift. That may not be your gift, but the reality is we're all called and God has strategically placed us. And so some, some action steps that, that we can take is number one, praying. And I know that always seems like, well, yeah, of course we got to pray. But no, seriously praying like for the Holy Spirit, just who's one person? Maybe they're a neighbor across the street. Maybe there's somebody you see at Starbucks every morning. Maybe there's somebody you work with or they're another parent on your kid's sports team or there's just somebody you come into contact with every day. Pray for the Holy Spirit. Not only to give you opportunity, but give you a burden for that person. Who's that person? Who's that person that you already have a relationship with? You've just never talked about. And it's a hard conversation. I'm not going to lie. But it's just talking about our weekend, talking about what did you do on Sunday and getting to know that person, inviting them into your home and, and they see you say the blessing and they see you say the blessing and uh, over your lunch or whatever that conversation may be, but praying for the Holy Spirit to be active and a part. Again, it's not on us. We're just invited to come and be a part of the ministry. Um, Paul says it in 2 Corinthians that, that, we, that when we become Christians, we become royal ambassadors. We become representatives <laughs> representatives sorry guys that's my oh, little girl <laughs> god bless the next generation um we've become representatives of the kingdom of god like we go from being traitors in the kingdom of god not only being adopted as his kids but being a part of the family ministry amen and so we get that opportunity and so like it's just praying for that person praying that the holy spirit will give us the eyes to see those opportunities that we can have and begin building building those relationships I get it. I know. The, I can already hear you silently ask. You're all asking this question right now. Um, Pastor, what if they ask me a question and I don't have the answer? Be honest. Say, I don't know, but let's figure it out <laughs> together. There's so much freedom in that to say well, we're not complete individuals. We're still learning and growing, and, and, and we're on this faith journey as we're becoming more and more like Christ. Just the prayer is that we be like Philip. We're witnesses. You may be the only Jesus a coworker or a neighbor or a family member ever gets to meet. You may be the only Bible that a classmate or a teammate ever gets to read. That's a lot of responsibility, but the Holy Spirit will lead us through that and lead us into that. Mm-hmm. Be like Jesus and invite them into your life. John finishes by sharing all that happened that day with the woman in the town where she lived after the well. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. Hear that again, the woman's testimony. She hasn't read a Bible. She doesn't have a morning quiet time. She doesn't go uh, to Bible study on Wednesday night. She's not a part of a small group. She hasn't gone to a training thing. Literally, all she has is her experience with Jesus. We experience Jesus, and then we're called to go live on mission. We experience Jesus, and then we're called to go live on mission. And all she went with was was her story, and God blessed that. He told me everything I ever did. 
So when the Samaritans came to him and urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days, and because of his words, many more became believers. Verse 42, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Now imagine the people in your life who are far from God experience this. Imagine they are found safe and sound and eternally secure with a heavenly father. Imagine the joy. Imagine the hope. That's why we long to exist at City of Hope Church. We want to see everyday people experience the hope of Jesus Christ. And how will they experience it if we're not going? If we're not just taking the low-hanging fruit opportunities that are around us? For Christ followers listening, do you give a flip about those people? If so, we're challenging ourselves and we're challenging you. Prove it. Prove it. So maybe today you find yourself identifying with the woman at the well or the townspeople that were there. Maybe you're still not sure about what Jesus is offering and what it can mean to you. But I want to read this piece of scripture as we wrap and the worship team makes their way. It says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The reality is you may have not come today looking for that water. But our prayer is and our hope is that you found And you've heard a piece of scripture in the scripture that Jesus has challenged us all with. That if we confess with our mouth our sins, that he is faithful to forgive us of those. I know we've spoke a lot to the Christian today. We spoke a lot to the believer and what the Lord's challenged us with. But the responsibility is not just the responsibility of us as pastors. It's the responsibilities of every single one of you that's sitting here today that identify with Christ. It's your responsibility to give a flip. Do you care? Do you care how you live? Do you care what people think? And not in a self-gratifying way, but do you care what Jesus you're allowing them to see? Every eye, or every eye closed and head bowed. If you're here today and this is the first time that you've been at City Hope Church and this is your first experience with Jesus and hearing this message, I pray today that you don't leave here the same way that you came in. Jesus has something for you just like he had for the woman that was at the well that day just like he had for all the people in her community. Whether you know it or not, a seed has been planted before you were even here today, just a little one. But today I pray that that seed maybe have been watered a little bit more. So if you're here today and you identify that way, I want you to pray with me. Jesus, I heard your word today. I believe what I heard and I want to walk with you on this journey. Forgive me. Allow me to be made new. 
allow the living water that we read about to be in my life. Jesus, I know you have more for me and I'm ready to start this journey with you today. It's in your name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, know that myself, Pastor Brian is here, people from our prayer team, we want to know that you prayed with us today. We want to encourage you on this new faith journey that you're on. But for all those that are still here, that are still in the room, that heard this message today, we hope that it challenged you. I asked a couple of questions. Pastor Brian asked a couple of questions that are hard for us even to answer if we're being completely honest with ourselves. Who is the last non-Christian person that I shared Jesus with? So my goal for you this week and this month is to begin to spark the curiosity of Christ in every individual's life that you come in contact with. Thanks again for tuning in with us today. We would love to connect with you. And the best way to do that is through social media or go straight to our website. God bless you and have a wonderful day.